0: I'm Mecca Boss.
1: And I'm Katie Myrie.
0: We're two food people
1: who like to eat and talk about it a lot.
0: (laughs) Welcome to Snacks Everywhere, the food show for the 99%. I'm Mecca Boss. Be a food lover and a man, and you can be Falstaffian, a term of relative endearment, reserved for guys who eat and drink with gusto. But if you're a lady who eats and drinks similarly, well, then what are you? About 10 years ago, I got the opportunity to become a food critic at a new magazine arriving in town. I would be paid to eat and drink, just like everybody seems to dream of. But with this happy realization, quickly came another one. To stay abreast of culinary trends, and to be educated about food in general, I would have to eat. A lot and I liked it. I quickly began fluctuating between 20 and 30 pounds above my normal weight, and I didn't care. I was having too much fun. For me, it was a fine trade-off. Frankly, I hardly even noticed. I was enjoying myself way too much to worry about buying bigger pants. Granted, I didn't love my double chin when I spotted it in pictures, but I wasn't about to stop figuring out what Batarga grated over Cappellini was all about either. The best way to do so was by putting it in my face. While this was my culinary education, it was also my pleasure. This episode is not about women's bodies. It's about where the images of women enjoying food are. Body empowerment and acceptance are everywhere. But is it still taboo for women to eat and drink for pleasure, without apology, without the loaded term indulge attached to it? Let's talk about it.
1: So, yeah, images of of women eating food. Do you do you have an image other than that that comes to mind for you?
0: Well, when I was when I was coming up in my career, I I think the biggest um, idol, for lack of a better way of putting it, was, um, what's her nuts, (laughs) (laughs) the Brit. Oh. Bloomfield? No, I have a I have a cookbook over here. The Brit, Nigella
1: Lawson. Oh, Nigella I, Lawson. I
0: knew she's a Brit. I thought she was. She, a,
1: yeah, she's, she's a, a Brit, Brit and a
0: wannabe Italian. Well, I think she just likes Italian food because I don't think we all. during yeah, don't we all during I think her, during her culinary upbringing, Italian food was kind of the, um, the the focus in okay. in Europe. Sure. But yeah, she was so she was really like so she was she was um suppose the lady term for falstaffian at the time she was really voluptuous okay. and for tv she wasn't like whisper thin and she was you know she was big bosomed and big hips and she she liked to eat these rich foods and she didn't make apology for it and that but that was pretty i mean that was pretty envelope pushing at the time too and Everybody what, what was time like, was that Oh, I suppose so 15 years ago, however long ago that is. Okay. Roughly, that was, she was kind of at the height of her fame, maybe around that time. So probably
1: about the same time that I had no problem shoving food all over (laughs) my face and getting all over my clothes because I was three. I was going to (laughs) say,
0: you were probably watching Sesame Street and crap on your pants.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So 15 years ago, that would have put you in your mid-twenties. Late. Late Mm Late-twenties, okay. And that was when you were starting your career in food. Mm Mm-hmm. And, I mean, what what drew you to for, to food as a career in the first place?
0: Uh, you know, it's such a I – don't, I don't know. I, the, the only thing I can say is that cooking is the only thing I really knew deeply that I liked doing. Mm-hmm. And then most people come to food when they're somehow in their childhood. Like, most people will say, oh, my grandmother was this amazing baker or whatever like that. And my family – I didn't have that. In fact, my mom was a terrible cook. And the only thing I can think of is that my mom – was a terrible cook but she still knew she, she had to get food in front of me every night so we went we ate out a lot i think we ate out more than the average um, at least certainly in like my economic strata yeah. ate out so i got exposed to some food maybe that i wouldn't otherwise have nothing nothing elaborate but you know some one night it would be italian another night we would have chinese another night we would have steak whatever yeah. so i just started to appreciate food from that perspective i think so I always, I mean, even though like my mom didn't like to cook and she's not a good cook, I I I always enjoyed food mm-hmm. from a young age.
1: Yeah, yeah, and then and then you started, but you started a career not in food.
0: Yeah, yeah, my fir- my first career was not in food.
1: And I remember you telling a story about working down the Skyway at a law office, right? Mm-hmm. Did you do that? I did. Okay, I'm not wrong. Um, and in the era of being young and into men and wanting to be skinny and your treat of the week was going to get like a bagel right? a bagel with cream cheese a bagel with cream cheese yeah. slow down
0: <laughs> <laughs> i know i felt so guilty
1: and so yeah so tell me about that experience
0: well i i think it's funny how you their qualifier was young and into men
1: oh well yeah. <laughs> i i, I <laughs> We can
0: get into that later. <laughs> okay. I was young and I was in fact young and into men. But, but yeah. You're dating will say. Yeah, and, and it's true, like also being my mother's daughter. Mm. Um and that's that's not changed even though my even I though my mother is sixty seven yeah. years old, she's still just as interested now as she was then in staying thin, right? Mm. So I was I was always taught that, that thinness is next to godliness. Mm. You know, I mean really, like in my household, if you're thin, then you're golden. And um so, yeah, in my 20s, it was just, like, all about staying skinny no matter what you had to do to do it. Mm-hmm. And all the convolutions that you did, you know, if you ordered a sandwich, it was like, all right, I want this sandwich. And realistically, I want this sandwich with roast beef, butter, sour cream, cheese, <laughs> mayonnaise. I want all this stuff. But, but instead, I would sit and be like, all right, if I'm going to have cheese, then, I've, of course, I can't have mayo. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to figure out which. how am I going to have this sandwich. Really, I should just have mustard. You know, and, and and just not 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 ever allowing myself to have good food in my early twenties. No,
1: but you still understood the indulgence of it, and you saved that for things like the bagel and cream cheese. Indulgence.
0: Oh. <laughs> you said the the unmagical word.
1: I did, because uh, it seems like what you did, right? Like you, you ha- you still, and everybody, no matter who they are in their their walk of life, with you know thinness or food there's still like indulgences of food so I guess I'm Mm -hmm. I'm interested in how that evolved from the one bagel a week Mm. of cream cheese to to letting yourself have you know yeah the the sour cream and mayo sandwich which (laughs) is maybe a first that (laughs) I
0: that's that's where your brain goes when you never when you don't let yourself have a little mayo you you know you want sour cream mayo and cheese and (laughs) And cheese (laughs) um you know I, I will say I think we're It, it, again, sadly involves a man, but um, when I got married, because I realized Mm. I have to, if if I'm going to be a good young wife, as, Mm. you know, I wanted to be, I should, I should put some, some meals on the table. Mm. Suddenly salad wasn't a good, you know, respectable meal for a young married couple to be eating.
1: Well, you throw some salami and cheese in there and shit.
0: Well, and that's what I do now, the whole thing. (laughs) Sit on the couch and eat that shit? Hell Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So I started eating, I started cooking for a man and then, and then especially if you're, if you're not really, um, here's a tip listeners. If you're not a good cook, just throw some more butter in that shit. So, and especially if you're cooking for a man, they'll be convinced you're an amazing chef if you just throw a blob of butter and everything. (laughs) So certainly I I started doing that. And then, you know, I started, I started, um, accusing my new husband of shrinking my clothing in the dryer
1: because
0: I couldn't figure out why suddenly within weeks my my pants didn't fit anymore. (laughs) But then, but then I realized, like, you know what? This whole business of, like, eating food, there's something to it. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy eating food and sitting down to a nice meal every night. Like, that's not something to shun. It's something to embrace. Hmm.
1: But then, so, I guess I haven't heard that part of it. I've always heard the, the best friend part of it, where you had, I mean, you had a good friend who loved food, and you guys both wanted to... Indulge yourself. Well, we were
0: both in the food world. We we both found ourselves in the food industry, mm-hmm. so it was the chicken was before the egg, but okay. yeah, we both found ourselves in the food industry for 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 differing reasons. But once you start getting around some good food, mm-hmm. once you start getting around some some aged beef or some mm-hmm. foie gras. Or some handmade pasta. And you start getting around people who make that. And they have a passion for making that. And once you start getting around some good champagne. Mm-hmm. Like it becomes real difficult to not want to have those things. Because it's good to have it. And then once you start having it. Well shit. I, if I'm going to have it on Saturday. Why shouldn't I have it on Sunday? You don't want to just have it as a treat. Right. You wanna You want to have it as much as you can get it.
1: Yeah. It almost becomes like a dangerous truth to discover because then like you the more you learn and the more you eat the more you want that every single time mm-hmm. and the more you know what you're missing when you're not getting it yeah fomo to oh. <laughs> <laughs> so bring that millennial presence right back. Yes, yeah. and okay. yeah
0: too and also if you work in the food business the one of the major perks is that no, you can't afford to necessarily go to those restaurants and sit down and order that food, but it kind of comes to you through the back door, mm. and so then you're gonna, and then so as soon, anytime you get your hands on it, you're gonna indulge on it because you don't know when the next time is really going to be, hmm. right? Hmm. So you just, you know, you start loving it. Yeah, once you're introduced, you know, once you're introduced to it, you're not going back. <laughs>
1: The, once the, once you the, go
0: flop, you never go back
1: the, the tablespoon of butter becomes <laughs> a half half stick of butter becomes a whole stick of butter mm-hmm. um we did a recipe last week the the tomato sauce that we made for the the pasta party that mac and I both attended last week um it had i think the recipe called for a stick and you know a third of butter if you add it all together and we ended up throwing two sticks of butter because we're rounding up at that point. Where it's like, you know, like, you know. Was it better? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's
0: that's one of the tips that Lynn Rosetto Casper gave me. was mm-hmm. She said, even if your pasta sauce is not that great, just throw a blob of butter in there. It'll be well, better. Well,
1: and that's what, like, you, you work through the whole Lynn Rosetto Casper recipe. And then at the very end, you're like, you're doing all these delicate things, and nuance, and. and now throw half a stick of butter in the sauce <laughs> and fold into the pasta. <laughs> I love that woman. And it's like,
0: ugh. And that And actually, I will also say, so when I began my my home cooking career, mm. um, my first cookbook of my married life was um, The Italian Country Table by okay. Lin Casper. So it was all um pork chops and pasta and like really rustic home cooking and once you start making that shit for your new husband you're not you're never going to be allowed to stop
1: and so there's there's two things then that that are kind of at odds so you know the idea of the falstaffian which is a new word to me by the way hmm. um talk and about falstaffian did you look it up uh no, I didn't. You told me <laughs> Falstaff is a Shakespeare character who he's actually oh. kind of a
0: buffoon, okay. but he's usually fat and he usually drinks a lot. And he's 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 kind of a buffoon, but he's he's harmless.
1: Okay.
0: Um, and he, yeah, he's allowed to just sort of be that guy who eats and drinks too much and is allowed to be fat yeah. and sort of merry.
1: Yeah, and and that that character isn't super appealing to me the way you're no. saying it, right? And it's like, yeah, the the fat and happy and the crowd pleasing buffoon. Because everybody can love someone who's a little buffoony, and you know, harmless, and is somebody that will just you know kind of stay quiet. But then I think of the the stories that you're telling about the home cooking and the stories that I can compare to, which are my own home cooking, also with the Liners Little Caspers and the Julia Childs and. Um, and whatnot and how the fact that what you said about you know the Italian country table where you have the pork chops, the butter in the sauce, the the indulgence that's kind of, you know, they're, they're walking you through this traditional housewife tradition of cooking for your husband but they're telling you, like, this is what's good and you almost are doing these recipes and I've never done it in that role where I'm cooking for a man or cooking for anyone. I actually, like, I'm mostly cooking for myself when I do those recipes, but it's almost like you work through this whole recipe and all of a sudden there's this moment where like they're talking to you and they're they're saying like, it's okay to throw that stick of butter in right now. It's okay to like mm-hmm. make this recipe out to the the fullest indulgence that you can because they experience that as the best. And so maybe they're not in the the limelight of that that image and they're not you know personified in the the media, but it's almost a more personal way of communicating.
0: Well, and I definitely think that those things are beautiful, like, you know, the, the traditional cooking techniques and, and why they're good and why you should be okay with it. But I also sort of wish that there were room for women to be Falstaffian. Hmm. You know, if I want to grab a turkey leg and a bottle of champagne and, and and knock that shit back because it makes me feel good, why is that reserved only for men? Hmm. You know, do, why do we have to be justified by tradition or right. by I'm, the structure of being a new wife or mm-hmm. by the indulgence of my weekly bagel and cream cheese mm-hmm. or because I happen to be in the food industry? You know, what if, what if I just like to eat a lot and drink a lot? And that's excusable if you're a man, but if you're a woman, it's sort of like, what's your problem? What's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Are you some sort of bulimic? Mm-hmm. You know, do you want to be a big fat fatty? You know, there's all of a sudden there's this whole taboo around just taking that shit down. (laughs) And there's times where you just want to do that. Hmm. Maybe not for a lifestyle, but maybe like more than just an indulgence. Hmm. And why does it have to be an indulgence? Why don't we get to be man versus food, woman versus food? Hmm. You know, why don't we get to, why is there no female Falstaff? You know, we I don't I don't know I just like to just like the question comes to mind where where are those images of women and in in sense that I can't seem to point to any except for like Nigella Lawson who's by far from being Falstaffian you know she's she's voluptuous and beautiful and she's beautiful and very conventional standards mm-hmm. you know she's very she's she she she's very appealing to men you mm-hmm. know she's she she could fill out like Marilyn Monroe's topless dress right mm-hmm. so. You know, but if she was shaped more like a like a like a like a grape than an hourglass, then that would be that would be off-putting. So it's still, you know, it's still no matter where how far we get in the world, it still seems taboo for women to enjoy food in that way.
1: Right, and and even like as I'm saying, this wonderful experience of connecting personally with the Lynn Rosato Casper Andrew the child. It's like you still have to reach through space and time to that image that doesn't even really exist but you're, you're connecting on a level that is validating like you feel like okay yeah I'm not the only one who feels like this I can eat like this but you're not actually getting that image and that that model to go with because you have to do more work to reach it than you know than an average you know 20-something stoner boy does yeah. when they turn on vice and they see action bronson
0: yeah, and if I if I wanted to eat like that, if I wanted to, let's say I wanted to live my life eating fourteen-course meals and a half case of wine like Action Bronson, that would be super good as long as I was able to keep my figure.
1: Yeah, right. You know, then
0: yeah. then peop- then then you know, according to society, that's then that's that's acceptable. Hmm. You know, if if I'm somehow magically able to still fit into my size eight pants. Right. But if I were shaped like Action Bronson, as a woman. That would somehow be pretty disgusting.
1: I guess it's interesting, too, to even think about, like, think about that on the individual level where it's, like, what what do people actually think when they see a Falstaffian dude versus, you know, a, a big woman? And obviously it's, like, you know, sexualizing a woman versus respecting a man. But it's, like, you know, you see a chef that has that's gained a lot of weight and you're, like, oh, they're eating a lot of really great food. They must be having a good time. I they get street. They get
0: street cred right. for being fat,
1: right? And that's weird. I, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I haven't necessarily. That that's a new concept to me too because I I haven't really been in the industry. But what what is that street cred like? Like what what are some things that people say in your? Experience well, yeah. Like
0: that? I mean, I've 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 literally walked up to sh- male chefs I know, and if they got a big tummy. I'll like pat their tummy and say, oh, you got some street crowd going on. Like you're, oh, really? yeah, you've been, obviously you've been, you've been, you've been sampling some mm-hmm. of your own s- supply, you know, mm-hmm. and and they think it's funny cause they know it's true, Yeah, but you wouldn't do that to a woman.
1: Yeah. But why?
0: Because there's too much taboo about women in weight. Mm. There's, there's, there's just too much, there's too much baggage around women. Women are not supposed to look like that. Mm. Even if they enjoyed every minute of getting there. Mm. And even if they said, as I did, you know, I, I don't really care if I'm 30 pounds over what I used to be because I don't have to think about this stuff and I'm having a
1: great time. And that's the key to me though, is is that I'm having a great time. And what is it that, that. Women are held back from them, that they're not having a great time, or they don't feel like they're able to have a great time because.
0: Well, I just think it's more. I think it's more society based, you know. Okay. So, for instance, you know, if, if, if I was in a room with my mother, thirty pounds over the weight that I should should, air quotes, be, she's not going to tell me how good I look today. Right. You know, she might even she might even make a cra- a crack about my weight. Mm-hmm. Um. But you know these, but but the, and really, realistically, I think it just becomes more of an act of, um, it just becomes more of an act of politics that men don't have to deal with. Yeah, you know, if I'm a man and I put on an extra twenty pounds, who cares? Nobody will probably even notice. But with women, you, I think it becomes you're a lot more conspicuous moving through space if you've put on twenty pounds, and people will notice. Right,
1: right, and that's like an identifying factor rather than. And it'll
0: become like almost a conversation about your character.
1: Hmm. <sighs> <laughs> well, I was actually going to maybe we can finish this up by talking about my experience, mm. which is, I guess, a little bit different, and maybe maybe to draw back on the, the first comment that I made about you're into men, you were into men, you were young, blah 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 blah. So I feel like I have, I do have images of women in my life that indulge in food, and that's been, really validating and really like. I don't know. It's opened up a culture of, you know. But you used to indulge again,
0: right? That's the. Key why isn't it indulgence? Why, why can't
1: they just why Why isn't it just enjoying food? Oh, I see. It's so you saying indulgence. Well, I think of indulge as a positive thing, not like mm. a sacred thing. Like I, I, I just think of moments around food where I've really learned a lot about food, and that's been from women, not from men, mm. and learning about like little things that I can add to food to make it that much more indulgent and and that that's a very practical way of doing it. Like, it's not practical, but a very everyday way of doing it. Where do you see
0: your... What images do you get of women being positive about their consumption of food? What images?
1: (sighs) I mean, it's like... It's like a few beers in and deciding to order panna cotta. You're talking about your friends? No, I'm talking about people like like Libby who have taken me to places like Tilia where I'm, you know, three beers in and we order a panna cotta because I should experience what that tastes like. And then me taking my first bite and Libby watching me to see how I react to it and seeing how that is a really Im- important experience for me to feel like it's mine. Like, I, why not have, you know, half a dozen beers together and eat some, like, amazing caramel little rich thing? It's not like a... It it, it doesn't have to be something that's reserved for, you know, the men of the world. Like, I, I, I'm going to have a beer, a little bit of a beer gun, that's okay, because those experiences are worth more to me than... What I'd be trading off by saying, I'll pass on this one. And I'm so glad to hear that because I
0: think that's one of the things I try to tell my mother, who's obviously a generation above me and you're almost a generation below me, as I try to explain to her that I think these things are changing somewhat. And it's about body acceptance of who you are and what kind of experiences that you want to enjoy in your life. My niece, who's nine years old, is a foodie. She loves to eat. And I occasionally hear my mom saying little things yeah. about, oh, she doesn't look like she's missing too many meals, things yeah. like that. She doesn't need to miss but, any meals. But,
1: she's nine years old. But that's ultimately, like, those... Uh, the experiences of, like, the family saying those things are important. But, like, I mean, you've defied those things and you've found, you know, your own relationship with food beyond those things. And, I mean, my grandma has a Norwegian phrase of saying pulsa pulsa when she sees a fat person, right? Like families have those and, and some of that is just going to go away, but like you can choose to feed into that and be affected by that. Or there's so many, there's so many other things about generational relationships with women that you can choose to feed and keep around, or you can choose to say like, tell with that. And I mean, it's also about recognizing what's beyond your weight. And that's sometimes, you know, their own insecurities that are coming out more than your own. And I don't know, I, we, I talk about this with my girlfriend sometimes, it's like, yeah, we've, you know, we've gained a little bit of weight, but we're having a lot more fun. We're drinking beer when we want to drink beer, which is maybe not the most female thing, and I know a lot of, like, my heterosexual friends don't feel that way, and even, you know, gay friends also feel, like, very conscious about not wanting to gain weight, and that's, that's not confined to your sexuality, but, um it is just about really owning that and really feeling good in that and not and and separating like you know what yes i'm a little bit heavier but i'm having a fucking great time and that's fucking great <laughs> and i'm going to keep doing that and that's that's where i'm at so
0: i think it's about values monologue. <laughs> no i think it's about values like what's your good time you know what's your good time is your good time about experiences and experiencing life or is it about i think a lot of culture around thinness is about experiencing how other people see you right and at my advanced age that's not a big as big of a concern as it once was
1: well and and what do we want to tell our women friends to do like to not have those experiences and to miss out on that or to say to hell with that and let's all do that together and that's that is what I feel like I've you know found through through you and through other people who are you know like-minded in that way where it's like no, this is actually us, and we're finally realizing that. And this is actually a really great thing, and it's not something to be even scared of at all. It's actually something that, like, we pat each other on the back for. Right. In fact, so
0: it's not an indulgence. It's an embracing
1: of life. It's a way of life. It's an indulgence. It's a way of life. Butter,
0: butter, butter. Butter. No. butter. No. Please butter. pass the butter. <laughs>